It's a privilege to bring the Word this morning. Last weekend when I was sitting in church listening to Pastor Matt preach, there was so, so many similarities in what he spoke about and what um, I'd felt God speaking to me about as I prepared. And so my first thought was like, great, he's done such a great job. I can put my feet up next week. I don't even need to get up there. <laughs> but my second thought was, I love it when the Holy Spirit so clearly wants to uh, bring a Word to His church. Um, he spoke this morning through Suan in worship in what she shared and through Matt and again the same sort of similar theme um, through me this morning. So I love it when the Holy Spirit clearly has a word to bring um, for this season for people in your lives. Who here is not good with directions? Not great with directions. There's some husbands nudging some wives. I can see them. They're going to be in trouble after the service. Who remembers using a Melways when you had to use a Melways to get places? Some of you are looking at me like, what on earth is that? You can Google it later, but it's pretty much like Google Maps in a book. Ancient, I know, it sounds ancient, right? But um, I, for one, am very glad for sat-navs, for Google Maps, for all those things, especially though I think when you're overseas, right, when you're in a foreign environment. And I think I've shared with you before, my husband and I went on a delayed um, honeymoon over to Europe and we were driving through the city of Florence in Italy. And it's a beautiful city. It's a romantic city. We were on our way out for dinner, just the two of us. And we're in a hired car and, you know, you've got to drive on the wrong side of the road. So it's a little bit foreign, but we were just driving along, taking it all in. And the sat-nav said to us, okay, keep going down this road. And then there was a bridge approaching and it said, when you get to the bridge, you're gonna turn left. And so we followed the instructions and turned left onto the bridge. And um, we're driving along, we're looking down the river and it's stunning and all the beautiful old architecture. And then we look up ahead of us and we see a whole line of traffic coming towards us on a one-way, single-lane bridge. Can you imagine how glad I was that the sat-nav gave those directions, not me in that moment as my husband was driving? (laughs) Wasn't that fun, let me tell you. But um, I don't know about you, but sometimes my life has felt a little bit similar to this. I've had it all mapped out. Everything's going well. I wonder if you've ever felt like you're taking all the right turns and making all the right decisions and then suddenly you end up in a place that wasn't expected. You end up in a place that feels a little bit uncomfortable and you're wondering how on earth did I end up here? You know, one of my favourite characters in the Bible is Joseph in the Old Testament and Matt mentioned him a little last week, but for those who won't hear or maybe haven't read the story, um, I'll give you a very brief summary. He was a 17-year-old boy when the story um, begins and he worked as a shepherd, shepherding the flocks. Um, He was good looking. He was the second youngest of 12 brothers and yet he was his father's favourite. And so his dad gives him this ornate robe. You may have heard the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I think it's a musical at the moment. He gives him this ornate robe which symbolises authority. Now, culturally, this authority should have gone to the oldest brother. But Joseph's rocking round in this coat, like, yeah, I've got the power. I'm the favourite son. Life was pretty sweet for him. And uh, that was until he decided 
to have some dreams. Now, dreams in the Old Testament were a frequent mode of revelation. And so Joseph has these dreams where he rules over his brothers and then later a dream where he rules even over his parents and they come and bow down to him. Now, whether he was just a stupid 17-year-old or he had pride and lacked a whole lot of EQ, he goes and tells his brothers this who are already jealous of him, already don't like him. So they plan to kill him, but instead sell him into slavery. Now, one of my brothers actually happens to be here this morning, um, hanging out with me, Riley in the front row. And can I tell you, growing up, had I had the opportunity, I probably would have sold him into slavery (laughs) quite a few times. He'd probably say the exact same about me, but I've got the microphone today, so bad luck, buddy. (laughs) You know, Joseph then gets taken to Egypt. And he gets on sold into slavery um, to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. And while he's there, Potiphar puts him in charge of everything. The Spirit of God is upon him. Everything prospers. And that is until the Bible tells us Joseph was well built and handsome. Some of the single ladies in here are like, where are the Josephs in this place? looking around. He was well built and handsome. And so day after day, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. And he refuses to sin against God and against Potiphar. And so what does a jealous woman who's rejected do? She lies and says that he tried to make moves on her and he gets thrown into prison. I wonder, can we put ourselves in Joseph's shoes for a few minutes? Can you imagine the betrayal he would have felt at how his brothers had treated him? Can you imagine the fear of the unknown, the loss of freedom that he would have been experiencing, the loneliness of missing his father and his homeland and everything that he knew, the frustration at being punished for a sin that he didn't commit, the grief for the future that he thought he was going to have now ripped out from under his feet. I can imagine he might've thought, this is nothing like I thought my life would look like, God. Where are you in the midst of this? What about those dreams that you gave me? And you know, maybe some of you can relate to this today. Maybe you can relate to some of Joseph's story. Perhaps there's things in your life that have come up that are unexpected. You've ended up in a situation where you never thought you'd be. Maybe for you, it's a health diagnosis. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe you thought you'd be married by now, but you're still single. Perhaps your marriage is struggling. Or maybe you're fearful about the decisions your children are making and the road they're going down. Maybe your mental health has taken you to a place that you never expected to be. Might be that you dreamed of having children, but it hasn't happened yet. Your career hasn't worked out the way you thought, or maybe you're struggling financially in this current um, climate that we're in and you just never expected to be in that place. Perhaps it's um, getting older and you're dealing with the realities of an aging body and energy levels. Or maybe it's just that you're in a season of change and uncertainty. You find yourself questioning, this wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't what I had mapped out for my life. How did I end up here? I don't know about you, but I want God to give me certainty, assurance. I want Him to give me a map and show me every valley and every hilltop I'm gonna take and where I'm gonna end up. All mapped out. 
But I find that's not how He works. Because He hasn't called us to follow a map. He's called us to follow a person. You know, we see in the New Testament when Jesus comes to the disciples, He says, throw down your nets and He come, follow me. When He comes and calls them to become disciples. And you know, it's the same with us. He says, throw away your map, come take my hand and come follow me. And as you do, It might not look exactly how you expected, but as you take His hand, He'll order your steps and lead you and you can trust Him. You know, in hard situations, it's so easy to feel that God is distant. And some of you this morning feel like you're really alone in what you're going through. But God wants you to know that nothing could be further from the truth. You know, we see in Joseph's life that even in the midst of what he's going through, the worst situation, the worst circumstances, God was with him. When he's in Potiphar's house in Genesis 39, it says, the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. When he's in prison, we see it says that same phrase again, the Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him favour in the the eyes of the prison warden. And once again in 39, 23, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in everything he did. You see, the presence of hardship doesn't mean the absence of God. And the promise of God is not that we won't go through hard times in this broken world that's so corrupted by sin. But the promise of God is the presence of God in the midst of it. That He will be present and that He will work all things together for your good. And often we can actually experience God's presence in times of hardship and uncertainty more than any other season in our life. But here's the choice. Challenging times usually either cause us to run to God or to run from Him. And can I encourage you this morning that no matter how great your disappointment, your anger, your doubt, your fear, your questioning of God, He can handle it. Run to Him with it, take it to Him, lay it at the foot of the cross, wrestle it out with Him. Nikki Gumbel um, says this, sometimes God calms the storms. Sometimes He lets the storm rage and He calms you. And you may feel lost and like the storms are raging, but do you know that God can give you a peace that surpasses all understanding? You see, the Bible tells us that He is your hiding place. He is your safe refuge. He is your comforter, your ever-present help in time of need. He is the Prince of Peace. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. You see, even in the midst of these horrendously unfair situations, Joseph continued to honour God. 
And as he did, God used him in the midst of it. People who didn't even know God identified the Spirit of God upon his life and promoted him. And God invaded those environments. And I wanna encourage you today, in the midst of your challenging situation, please continue, continue to pray for that that change and that God will bring you through and for that big outcome that you wanna see. But can I encourage you, don't get so focused on the end outcome that you miss what God wants to do in your life and through your life right now, today. Because there's things that He wants to reveal about Himself to you today in the midst of it. There's people's lives that He wants you to impact today in the midst of it. The presence of the Spirit of God is upon you right now, just as He was with Joseph in the midst of it. Because even when He didn't cause it, He will bring purpose from your pain if you'll look to Him in the midst of it. You see, the world teaches us um, that if your life is full of comforts without hardship, then you're winning. Life's good, right? But that's the wrong gauge. As Christians, the goal and measure of our lives should not be the level of comfort that we're experiencing. The measure as Christians should be, am I becoming more like Jesus? Am I becoming more like Jesus? And often we're refined to become more like Christ through hard times. I wanna read to you, I was recently um, reading a website that talked about the process of refining gold. And I thought it was quite profound and beautiful. It said, gold in its natural form is mixed with many impurities which need to be removed. This is done through a fire with extreme heat. Real gold doesn't burn or get dark under heat. It simply melts. This is why it can be moulded and shaped into different forms without losing its luster and beauty. This refining process effectively separates the gold from impurities and other metal traces producing the most pure gold. Isn't that the most beautiful picture of what God does in our lives? You know, the heat in the fire sometimes can feel absolutely unbearable, but if we allow Him to mould us and shape us in the process of it, We actually don't burn, but we become more pure and refined and beautiful through it. You see, God might be trying to do something in you before He does something for you. Like Joseph, sometimes we need to be refined to be ready for all that's ahead. I wonder what God was refining in Joseph through those hard times. Maybe it was chipping off a bit of pride, a bit of self-reliance. Maybe it was reshaping his identity from being a favourite child to being a son of God who was wholly dependent on Him. Because sometimes I think God looks at us and He says, who you were was okay for where you were but you can't take those things into where I'm taking you and what I have for you. Some of you um, may know Alice Samuel in this church. She's, um, oh, she's up the front here. She's one of my beautiful friends who I've been friends with for many years. And I share this um, this morning with her permission. But 
Over the last two years, um, I've watched her go through an incredibly, incredibly hard mental health battle. I get emotional talking about it because I love her so much. Um, And she had constant intrusive thoughts of the worst kind, Um, panic attacks that were unbearable and anxiety that was just debilitating. And she clung to God through those times. It was relentless to the point where um, she said in her words, God, you need to do something or otherwise take me. But isn't it amazing the things that God does in us through those times? As she gripped onto God, she shared with our life group recently how He has deepened her relationship with Him to levels that she didn't even know was possible. Her awareness of the intimacy that she has with Him and His presence has just blown her away. And how God has used that season to actually get her to let go of unhealthy childhood patterns that she knows she probably wouldn't have let go of through any other season, any other way. And I was actually blown away when she shared this statement. She said, given the choice to go back and change what she'd been through, knowing how God has moulded her and shaped her and refined her through it, she'd choose to go through it all again. Isn't that amazing? I hope that brings hope to some of you who are in the midst of things right now and can't see what good could possibly come of it. You see, hard times reveal our true foundation. And if we have our foundation built on temporary things, even if they're good, if it's like our family, um, our jobs and career, comfort, our own strength, any of those things in this lifetime are always going to be shaken. We're gonna be shaken when we're built upon those things. But Matthew 7, 24 to 25 says, "'Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine "'and puts them into practice "'is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. "'The rain came down, the streams rose, "'and the winds blew and beat against the house, "'yet it did not fall "'because it had its foundation on the rock.'" You see, only false foundations can be destroyed by circumstance. But the only firm foundation for our life is building our life upon the rock of Jesus Christ. There's been many um, challenging times in my life when I've gone down roads that I didn't expect. And probably the hardest of them for me was my mum's cancer journey. My mum was... um, single and so she was reliant on us kids for her practical and emotional support and she had cancer in her bone marrow and so it would eat away at her bones and they'd often break. And when my, um, when my first daughter was just three weeks old, Sienna, and I was recovering from birth and learning to be a new mum, um, four of mum's vertebrae completely crushed, they just compacted. 
And so my, between my sister and I, we needed to give her 24-hour care at home. And so I'd be up all night to my, or all through the night to my new baby. And then I'd need to be at my mum's house at 7.30 so my sister could go to uni. And then I'd care for mum for the day. And I remember one day I was there and she was in such excruciating pain, like my baby was crying and needing me and mum was screaming. And we couldn't literally move her an inch in the bed because the broken bones would press on nerves and it would send nerves back just down through her body. And I went home that night and I was, I was completely consumed with anxiety. I felt broken. I felt physically exhausted. I felt exhausted by thinking about what might be to come. I felt broken that I couldn't, no matter what I did, I couldn't change mum's circumstance. And I stood in the shower that night sobbing, everything in me, doubting the goodness of God and wondering, God, how on earth could you allow this? But then I stood there and I chose to make this statement. God, you are good. You only do good. And you will work all things together for our good. You see, in that moment, I remembered that I couldn't allow my emotions to determine my theology, but I needed Scripture to actually shape my emotions. And so I chose to trust. I couldn't stop my anxious thoughts, but I could replace them. I could replace them with a confession of God's goodness and a confession of His promises in Scripture. I could replace them with singing worship and praise to Him. I could replace them with thankfulness as daily I chose to focus on the goodness of God and on everything that I still had to be thankful for. You know, previous to mum's diagnosis, she was probably one of the fittest and most youthful people I know for um, her age. When we'd go for walks, she actually used to get my arm and drag me up hills because I wouldn't go fast enough for her. She was totally sold out to the call of God on her life and was seeing so many people come to know Him. She had so much faith for her healing. And I know if she'd been healed, she would have told the whole world about it, but she wasn't. Three and a half years later, she died. Proverbs 2, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. God, by His grace, sometimes has given me understanding. But I realised that trusting Him sometimes meant giving up my right to understand. I couldn't hold God at ransom to an explanation. I couldn't reduce His greatness down to my limited understanding. But I had to trust that if His ways are higher than my ways and His thoughts higher than my thoughts, then there's gonna be a lot of things in this life that I'm not gonna fully understand. And so my prayer changed from God Why? God, why did you let her die? To God, give me a greater revelation of heaven. 
And can I tell you, since that moment when I think of Mum gone, yeah, I have sadness for myself because I miss her, but there's a joy in my spirit for her because I know she didn't lose her battle, but she actually won the greatest victory possible to be in the presence of the lover of her soul. And so whatever your challenge, when we surrender our right to understand, we do it knowing that just as the book of Revelations teaches us that one day, one day, everything wrong will be made right and everything will make sense. Growing up, um, we were real beach people. We still are actually. We take our kids to the beach all the time. But our family grew up um, going to the Mornington Peninsula, not God's great promised land of Torquay where I live now, the surf coast. I've changed my allegiance. Um, But we grew up going down to Portsea and Dad would often take us down there to Portsea Back Beach. So for any of you who have been there, it's A beach with very big surf, very dumpy waves and lots of rips. Great place to take your kids, right? And Dad would always say, um, hey, make sure you swim between the flags where the lifeguards are in control. If you get caught in a rip, don't struggle against it because struggling is only going to exhaust you. But wave your arms about until the lifeguards see that you need their help. And when they get to you, don't try to struggle against them, but just relax and follow their instructions and trust them. A life, this is what he said, a lifeguard's ability to save you is dependent on the level of surrender to their superior expertise and strength. And it's the same with God, isn't it? I feel like in life, I so often struggle for control and I try and work it all out and get it all done until I'm exhausted and then I go to God and I'm like, okay. But when we hit the waves of the unknown in life, struggling for control and to try and rescue ourselves only actually hinders the rescue and leaves us feeling exhausted. Because when Jesus is all you have left, you'll discover He's all you actually need. When Jesus is all you have left, you will discover He's all you actually needed. See, if you'll surrender to Him, to His supernatural power, it will far exceed your limited ability. Whatever you're facing, it may have taken you by surprise, but it hasn't taken your heavenly Father by surprise. So what does surrender look like? It's not just sitting there doing nothing, but it's actually bringing our requests to God, responding to what the Holy Spirit shows us to do and then choosing to rest in His supernatural power as we trust in Him. You know, we return to the story of Joseph stuck in prison until two years later when Pharaoh, the ruler, um, said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I've heard it said that you can, and when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. He said, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answers he desires. I love that even in the midst of everything he's going through, Joseph doesn't shrink the greatness of God down to his experience. 
because the devil would love us to do that. But I wanna tell you today, don't shrink back. If you're feeling tired and weary and exhausted, soak in the presence of God more than ever before. Let Him revive your soul. Let the Holy Spirit breathe life and faith into your weary spirit. And then stand on the promises and the dreams of God that He's placed in your heart as you trust Him with the path and the timing. You see, Joseph was a lowly shepherd. He was unqualified for anything else. He was now a slave and a prisoner to make it worse. And on top of that, he was a Hebrew. Now, Hebrews were not even allowed to eat in the presence of an Egyptian. They were detestable to Egyptians, let alone to rule over them. But you see, it was actually through his hardship, not despite it, but through his hardship that God positioned Joseph where no man could as Pharaoh appointed Joseph ruler over the whole nation of Egypt, second in charge. And 14 long years after he had the dream, Joseph's dreams fulfilled as his family come and kneel down before him and he rescues them from famine. But you see, unknowingly, Joseph was actually part of God's greater plan for the whole Israelite nation. It went beyond what Joseph was even aware of, that the Israelites would come and settle in Egypt and multiply and be taken out into the promised land. And that um, Joseph's life would be a prophetic picture of the saving power of Jesus. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Just as we saw with Joseph, when we surrender our map and we stop saying, God, come and join my agenda. But we say, no, God, I'm gonna surrender my agenda to live for you and for your glory and to come follow you. His power that was within us is so much greater than we could even ask or think. And as the band come to join us, I wonder what He has in store for your life if you'll trust Him. There's two really quick things that I felt the Holy Spirit asked me to share this morning. And so I'm gonna do that and then I wanna pray for us. Um, number one was that the Holy Spirit revealed to me that there's people listening who have, you've lost a loved one and your faith and your trust in God paused at that point. For some of you, you basically lost your faith at that point. And I wanna tell you today that I wanna, I wanna encourage you to let go of your pain and disappointment and to trust Him again. Don't wait till you get to the end and meet face to face with Him and it all makes sense then and you're like, God, you didn't fail me, but you've missed out on everything He had for you in the process. Come back to Him this morning. And the second was there's someone here and you're going through something or you may have been through it, I'm not sure. But it was a hard season and God wants you to know that He's actually going to call you to start a ministry out of that. That will be ministering to the people who are in the exact same situation that you went through. And He just wants you to know that this morning. So when the thought comes and the, the Holy Spirit plants the idea in you, you know that it's God. Now that that's done, out of the way. For most of us this morning, 
this message was just simply about saying, God, putting down what I had mapped, up for, mapped out for my life and afresh I'm answering the call to come follow You, not on my terms, but on Yours. No matter where You take me, God, I'm all in. For the majority of us, I hope that's what God's spoken to your heart this morning. But for some of you, you're right in the midst of a Joseph season. It's hard, it's confusing, it can be exhausting. And there's a Scripture that I wanna prophesy over you today because I believe that there's gonna be a fresh impartation of peace and faith over your life to navigate this season. So can I just ask everyone just to close their eyes quickly just for privacy. And if that's you, if you know you're in one of these seasons this morning, can you just lift up your hand and give me a wave wherever you are? Awesome, so good. So many hands going up. Right, we're all gonna stand up now. Stand to your feet. And what I'd actually love to do is, um, the the team are gonna lead us just for a moment, just to give you time to get out of your seats for all of you that are in one of these seasons, a season of uncertainty or challenge. And I would love you to come to the front because I wanna prophesy this Scripture over you. But then we also wanna stand with you in prayer. We wanna stand with you because you don't walk this alone. Not only is God with you, but your, your um, church family is with you as well. And so we're gonna ask for people to come and pray with you. And we're gonna believe to see faith rise in your life this morning as we do. So as the team lead us, why don't you just start coming out of your seats? If you lifted up your hand, even if you didn't, but you know that you needed to, can you just come out? People will make way for you. Don't worry about people around you. Just start coming to the front and just make your way down here this morning as the team lead us for a moment to give you time to do that. You're always moving in the unseen. Sustaining me Before I call You know my name You're always going Before be out here, there's still a couple of moments you can make your way out. But Genesis 41, 52, Joseph said this, God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And similarly, I wanna prophesy this Scripture over you this morning. Jeremiah 17, 8, it says, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream." and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. You see, when there's so much we don't know, we need to send our roots down deeper into the one we do know. And if you'll do that, 
I believe that not only will you not be affected by fear and anxiety and shrivel up like people might expect, but you're actually going to remain green in the midst of this season. You're actually gonna bear fruit in the midst of this season. And there's gonna be a supernatural peace a supernatural joy, a supernatural faith and a supernatural deepening in your relationship with God as you cling on to Him and you go deep into Him during this season. So can we, do, I just wanna pray a prayer over you for a moment and then I'm gonna ask the elders and pastors and prayer team and whoever want to to come and pray for you guys and really stand with you in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank You so much that You are with every single one of these people. Right now in what they're going through, they are not alone. You are with them and You love them so much. And God, we pray right now for a strengthening within them. God, where they are weary, where they feel beaten down, Holy Spirit, I ask for Your presence to come and to breathe Your wind of life within their souls. May they rise up, God. May they stand not in their own strength, but in Your strength, Lord. God, we pray that You sustain them, God. And we thank You that You will do a deep work within this. Lord, that what the enemy meant for their destruction, God, You will turn around and You will use it for their good. We speak this over them this morning, Lord, in Your precious Name, Jesus. Amen. Well, as people come and pray for these guys at the front, why don't we continue to worship as the team lead us this morning?